Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. Once again, talking about the game we all love. Phil, good day to you. We have had the phony war of the Championship League. But now it's time for the first big knockout ranking tournament of the season. The European Masters in Germany is about to get underway. And we can't wait, can we? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, hello, everyone. Welcome. Uh, welcome aboard once again. Um, yeah, no, it's great to get going properly, I guess it feels like. Yeah, we had the Championship League and uh, a lot of qualifiers. But this feels like first sort of real... Real event and real sounds a bit harsh on the other stuff before, but you know what I mean. There is a proper curtain raiser of uh, the main stages of a knockout ranking event. So yeah, we're glad it's here. Yeah, we really are. This is this is more your bread and butter, isn't it? Of course, the Championship League was good company, and it's very important for the winner. And it is a ranking event. And I, I personally have no objection to the way that that eases us into the season. I know some people would prefer a high profile event, and that's an opinion to very much respect as well. But, um, yeah, I don't have a great problem with that. But now, you know, we're heading towards the late part of the summer. Not not that it feels like that, Phil, with the temperatures here. We're, yeah. we're right in the heart of the summer. Goodness me. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, not going too UK-centric. Because in fact, we it's pretty much the case across Europe, not just here in the UK. But extraordinary temperatures we're still experiencing, aren't we? So it doesn't feel like snooker weather for us, does it? No, not at all. Yeah, no, it's still there. It's not been quite as unbearable as that one a couple of weeks ago, which was really like absolutely mad. It's not quite that level, but sleep's still been difficult, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, very much so. But yeah, as you say, really looking forward to this first sort of big week-long knockout ranking event of the season. And uh, we'll look forward uh, to that in more detail uh, shortly. But Phil, we must start actually by saying thank you to Jason Ferguson for coming on the podcast last week, the chairman of the WPBSA. Brilliant guest. We've had such a big response. I mean, he was so insightful, wasn't he, on a host of matters. And, you know, I know we have to ask Jason awkward questions. You said that at the end of the episode. And that's, you know, the way it should be. That's 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 how it all 
we'll, we'll carry on whenever we deal with Jason. But it has to be said, what a great talker, what a good ambassador for the game. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um he he does give very honest but um and open answers. Um as far as we're aware, he's great with that, really detailed, um, and his passion for the sport in all his different answers, I think, really comes across. When we were talking about how he got into it, obviously, and that was obviously going to be passionate, but even when he's dealing with sort of the nuts and bolts of the tour and stuff, you can tell he's, he very much cares about it. So, yeah, no, thanks so much for Jason coming on. It was great. Um, any audio issues, I'll, I'll take responsibility for that because I was uh, in an unexpected venue with some unexpected technology. So if, uh, if my sound wasn't so great, then apologies for that. But Jason was uh, clear as a bell. You couldn't argue with the chairman's setup on his Zoom call, could you? He had the best um, set up in the business, frankly. <laughs> I did. I, I had to say, I did. I did like him, and a couple of people suggested that that we, you know, he might have been a, in a better part of the studio. The idea that we've got a studio, Phil Haig. My goodness, <laughs> I mean that. Now that that that. What, what do you call that? You call that a grand ambition, wouldn't you? One oh, day it'd be lovely. Yeah. One day we might just do an episode in the proper studio. It might have to fork out a bit. Well, would definitely it would have to. <laughs> worth it for once for the experience but no this is very much uh, a home operation isn't it we have to sort of um you know, emphasize that from time to time um we do our very very best for the audio audio issues and yeah we record it on zoom so um yeah which we're doing now now from our homes um yeah first like we have, first like a long time ago since our last outside broadcast we'll have to put that right won't we perhaps perhaps when we go to do our match in leeds we should we should record one there yeah, that'd be great. The sight, more sights and sounds of Yorkshire and uh, a different part, West Yorkshire. That'd be good. <laughs> Indeed. But Jason Ferguson was brilliant. We'll, we'll all be well to have him, have him on again one day. He's always great value. I, I know you're the same. You speak to him a lot more than me in, in written press terms. I, I do speak to him as well. Whatever we do, he's brilliant value. And what energy he has as well. And you get, you get the feeling he's not hammering it up when he talks about enjoying the ambassadorial role, the travelling the you know just the way he is which is a brilliant you know he's a very charismatic character isn't he he's great at sort of meeting and greeting that kind of thing but he loves that doesn't he he's not he's not you know just saying that because we know him well enough to say he's bloody good at it as well yeah absolutely yeah and it takes uh He's sort of always on, but I think that's because that's just his personality, isn't it? He loves chatting to people. Um, and he spoke about the snooker family, didn't he, there? And uh, I think as long as you show any sort of interest in snooker at any level, he'll be happy to speak to you all day long. So, yeah, no, um, brilliant. And I'm sure he'll be back on at some point in the future because um, as as we sort of dealt with last time, we sort of deal with whatever the issues of the day are and he's sort of the perfect person to speak to about that. So hopefully he'll be back on again in the future. Indeed. So that was brilliant last week. But now on with this new episode, and we'll turn to the European Masters in a couple of moments' time. But first, Phil, we've had some British Open qualifiers, haven't we? And, uh, well, some interesting action over the, over the last few days on that. Began last Tuesday, uh, and a couple of the results from that day of interest that I've scribbled down here. Zhang Ander beating Stephen Hendry 4-1, and uh, Robbie Williams beating Ashley Hugill 4-3. That match decided on the final black, so real drama there. And then a couple from Wednesday, Ding Junhui beating Ollie Lines 4-2. And then David Grace beating Jamie O'Neill 4-1. Now, the incident I'm sure many of you will have, will have seen. If you haven't, then, you know, it, it's really worth, worth telling you about that uh, O'Neill failed 14 times in a row to get out of a snooker. 
giving away 61 points in the process. Now, I didn't see a video of this, but I think I said before, I think one of the beauties of this sport is sometimes screenshots, you know, say it all, you don't actually need video. And it was a horror. It really mm. was a nightmare of a snooker to be in. And, uh, you know, that that was enough for me just, you know, to see why he had so many problems. But 14 in a row, that must be, <laughs> that must be quite quite a soul-destroying thing for any player. Absolutely. And um, uh, World Snooker actually shared a couple of clips of David getting some quite hefty flukes at the end of that game. I think it was to win the match in the final frame. So uh, stinker of a day for Jamie O'Neill, really. I think that was probably one to forget for him. Well, wasn't David joking that he hasn't had one for about 10 years or something? I thought I thought I saw, you know, they all come at once. I thought well, I think a lot of players claim that, don't they? They've not had one for they get a lot less than anyone else as well. But yeah, um, yeah, no, uh, a good win for David though. Um all wins are good on the on the tour. Very much so. That they yeah, I don't know a player that that thinks that 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 their opponent is regularly sort of um unlucky than them. They always think that <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Stuart Bingham's the only one. <laughs> yeah. Or Run Bingham. He, he so he doesn't mind that nickname, does he? But I think probably even he pushed would say that he, he's not that lucky. <laughs> Indeed, I think I think he might have said similar when he came on here actually <laughs> last year. On to Thursday, big result. On Yi beating Ken Doherty four three. A second win on tour for On Yi, and uh, proper ratings buster video from you, Phil, with a, with a peak to clinch it from um, On Yi. Some. Some of the movies on film four don't get as many viewers as you've got for that. <laughs> Just what I mean, it, it was a, a funny old way to win it, but great for the female game, no question. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I watched um, sort of the second half of that game. I think Anya was two 0 up, and then Ken got back to two two, and I watched I watched them there. And uh, I think Ken went then went three two up, and obviously you'd really fancy him to win there, but. When he dug in, um, you know, it wasn't a pretty game, really, to be honest. There weren't any big breaks, but um, it was edgy, and she she got over the line. Uh, Ken, that, uh, in that final frame, she had the first chance, and then Ken came in, and he was clearing up on the colours, all the colours on the spot, and he just left himself a bit, just a little bit dodgy on the pink, and he missed it. Um, and then, yeah, on the, um, it was a fluke, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> to win it on that, but, yeah, great win for her. So her, her other win on tour was against Blue Yizza, so she's sort of picking them off at the opposite ends of the age scale, Ooh. the Ooh. teenager from China and then the, the veteran former world champion. But two great victories. And, uh, yeah, it's good. It's great for her, obviously, getting some confidence. And I'm sure the other three uh, women on tour will get some confidence out of as well, uh, heading into the mixed doubles, which is coming around quickly. So, yeah, uh, good stuff. And it got a lot of uh, publicity, which is... The point of well, a large point of having the women on tour to try of try and uh, uh, gain some recognition for them, encourage other women, girls and women to play. So yeah, it's all good, apart from Ken, of course. No question that it's good, and as you suggested, more coverage of the British Open qualifiers, and frankly, you would ever expect to have the normal mm. unless something extraordinary happened in a match. So that was good to see. Um, Dean Young beat Liang Wenbo four two. We know about the unsavoury elements of the Liang Wenbo story, and we must thank Jason Ferguson for the candid way he and he answered the questions about that. I mean, a, a lot of pros were not particularly enamoured with, with Liang Wenbo in that match. He, he sort of sprung out of his seat, didn't he, to check whether the black could be respotted on its own spot. The referee decided it would go on the blue spot, and that's not really the etiquette, is it, when the other guy's about to play the shot? 
to do that. So I think, I mean, Dean Young kept his composure, but a lot of pros I noticed, friend of the pod, Stephen Hallworth, one of them was pretty outspoken. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't the it wasn't the best thing to do. Apparently, it does happen a fair bit, but it's not something we want to encourage for sure. Yeah, no, a couple of people said it had happened to them before, and but you don't see it very often. Certainly, when I mean, I think Dean was literally playing his shot when he realised Liang was behind him, uh, querying stuff. Um, you know, it's fair enough. While well, even well, yeah, it's more fair enough. Well, if the referee was busy respotting it and he popped up then, but it was too late. And, um, you know, usually sort of things like that happen and it goes around social media and there's a bit of furore. But I always, it's nice to wait and see what pros say or ask pros yourself what they think because they know better than anyone. And yeah, it was them, like you say, it was uh, Steve Hallworth, Rob Milkins was saying it was really bad, a couple of other guys. Um, so yeah, it was uh, widely denounced. And yeah, we, Yang Wenbo might be the least popular player on tour at the minute. And uh, when I say might, I would say almost certainly. I mean, that was in your first your first match back after a ban for domestic assault. Um, and then to, you know, obviously they're not in the same ballpark of uh, wrongdoings, but you'd think you want to keep your head down and uh, try and toe the line a bit. But um, yeah, he's, uh, he's public eminent number one on the snooker tour at the minute, I think. And uh He's not really helping himself out very much. So um, I'm sure a lot of people were quite glad when Dean won that match. Yeah, he should have kept a low profile. No question. I was amazed he didn't, frankly. Um, well, on to Friday and a couple of results that I've scored on here. And uh, Ryan Day beating Rebecca Kenner 4-1 is one of them. And then David Gilbert beating Aaron Hill 4-0. Almost exactly <clears throat> the same time, Phil that a sporting life piece was published with me tipping Aaron Hill as the player to watch this season. Oh, he's off to a flyer. <laughs> Thanks to well, me. I, I, I did see that and thought that might be quite close because uh, Aaron started the season quite well and uh, I, Dave has been... Well, actually, Dave got through his Championship League group. But I wasn't. I thought it would be a close one, but yeah, I watched a bit of it and uh, Dave was a bit too strong, um, which, you know, no shame to Aaron Hill. That Aaron Hill could still have a very good season. Uh, no shame losing to the farmer. No, of course, I'm being flippant. That was a very tough match for him, actually. And uh, so Dave Gilbert was a convincing winner there. A uh, couple of results of interest from Saturday. Hamad Mir being Ali Carter 4-1. Terrific win for him. And another result that I've written down here, Kao Peng beating Marco Fu at 4-1. And then right up to date, Phil, here on Sunday night, some really interesting results are coming through, actually. Uh, Matthew Stevens beating Stephen Maguire 4-1. Uh, Peter Lyons beating Rob Milkins 4-0. And one that I think you picked out on your Twitter feed, Nopon Sankam 4, Michael White 3. Proper confidence booster for Nopon there. He's about to play Judd Trump in Germany. That's the way to warm up. Well, yeah, and it is. Uh, he hasn't got much time to for any more preparations, which uh, his, his coach, Steve Feeney, actually replied to that tweet and just pointed out that. So he finished that. He finished that game reasonably late on Sunday night because it went to a decider. Um, and then he's going straight to get a flight in the early hours to Germany, uh, early hours of Monday, to play on Tuesday morning. So I hope he's got no delays or anything or because um, <laughs> it is a quick turnaround from the um, the qualifiers in Wigan to play in Firth on, uh, on Tuesday. But yeah, he'll be going in confident, having made... Uh, a couple of centuries in that win over Michael White, and uh, yeah, Nupon's a really good, uh, really good player. Um, and that's is a bit of a nightmare draw for 
he's playing Judd on Tuesday, isn't he? And yeah. um, it's, uh, that does not seem like a match that should be in the, the last 128 of a ranking tournament, should it? That's, <laughs> that should be deeper in. No, it's a hell of a match for, for, for very early. You're absolutely right. So we've seen some interesting results there. And we the, the other one that caught my eye, actually, and just because um, it is continuing, isn't it odd that we'll get on to the European Masters, obviously, but Jamie Clark beating Fang Zheng Yi 4-0. Um, great win for Jamie. But it continues Fang's run of not winning a single match since he won the European Masters. And you don't want any? Not with a single game. Oh, wow. And he didn't play in the Championship League. I'm not entirely sure why. And so he hasn't. Right. It's not loads of matches, but you oh. know, it's a few, uh, which is is remarkable, really. Yeah. When was that European? It was about February, wasn't it? Yeah. At the same time as Jordan won the Welsh, wasn't it? The year before. Wow. I didn't. I knew he wasn't on form. I didn't realize he won won any. That's quite something. Yeah. Yeah. He's obviously playing. You know, in his first match in you know in his defence. It would be his first match, wouldn't it? It'd be holdover, I think. Yeah. So yeah, he hasn't played a qualifier. Yeah. That's right. So we'll come on to that in a moment. You should probably say that you, you can always see the the, the full results uh, on a number of uh, platforms. Uh, World Snooker Tour website, of course, and snooker.org, which I must admit, I'm happy to always plug. It's a, it's a real Bible for me, Phil. I find myself mm-hmm. going there all the time. I love the way they lay, lay things out, I must say, with the timings. It's very... Accurate, I think. So that's that's a bit that's a that's a, a big thumbs up for, from us, I think, for that. Oh, absolutely, yeah, okay, that completely. Yeah, I use that all the time. I'm looking at it right now as we speak. So yeah, uh, we're very much appreciative of the guys who work there. They do a great job. They really do. So on to the European Masters then, and um, well, let's get the bad news out of the way first, Phil, and that's that there's no Ronnie O'Sullivan at the event. Seven-time world champion uh, pulled out a few days ago for medical reasons. And it's just confirmed, actually, in the last few hours that it's an, an arm injury he, he's suffering with. And, uh, well, he says he's aiming for the Hong Kong Masters in October. But frankly, we obviously want him back before then because there are other other really important events. And when you think about how much excitement there is over the world mixed doubles, we talk about on here uh, a fair bit, um, you, you, you know, you really don't want him to, to miss that, do you? Yeah, and I—I I mean, I don't—I don't know how bad it is, but I can't see him missing that. Uh, you know, there's one thing pulling out of a one-to-eight event, but pulling out of that when he's already teamed up with Rianne, who you know they share the same management. I think that would go down very badly if he left her high and dry. Um, so, yeah, I would—I would be very surprised if he doesn't play that, unless unless this arm injury, which I was told is tennis elbow, um, is so so bad he can't pick up his cue, but I'd be, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't play the World Mixed Doubles, despite him saying about Hong Kong. But then there's the British Open in between that. I would be much less surprised if he pulled out of that because um, he pulled out of it last year um, and he wouldn't feel the same you know, pressure to play that as Mixed Doubles. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it would be really, it'd be really bad if he pulled out the Mixed Doubles. So I think that wouldn't be very helpful at all. Um, and hopefully he can manage the pain a bit. But he said he's been struggling for a while. I mean, he played in the Championship League um, so yeah, hopefully he can just get through. It's only it's only a two day event, isn't the mixed doubles? Then he might want a week off and not play the British, and then go to Hong Kong. We'll see. But um, yeah, but anyway, this week coming, it is a bit of a blow for the tournament. You know, um, any snook tournament that has Ronnie O'Sullivan in and then doesn't, it's diminished slightly. Still going to be a great tournament, of course. But um, you know, the hold held over event, uh, held over match between uh, the two O'Sullivans, Ronnie and Sean. 
is now Luke Simmons versus Sean O'Sullivan. So it doesn't quite have the same ring to it, does it? No, it does. And actually, we've got a couple of bits of correspondence, uh, which we'll read out before before we head off uh, for the night. And one of them is actually saying how much they're looking forward to seeing Ronnie. It's a bit mm. of a shame that a lot of fans will be in that boat. But as I think we'll, we'll emphasise, as we so often do, there are so many big names in this sport. There's still, you know, some mouth-watering matches to come at the European Masters. Uh, more disappointing news, actually, that Lee Hang, Chan Bing Yu and Lei Pei Fan have also had to pull out the tournament with visa issues. So their opponents, Zhao Zingtong, Scott Donaldson and Marco Fu, uh, all receiving buys. So uh, always a shame um, when, when that happens. And, you know, it, it's, it's really one of those things. And... Uh, but yes, yeah, it's disappointing news. We want to see all the top players, you know, as many as we can there. And buys is always a messy thing, isn't it? For, for streaming, for for the for the sort of um, the flow of the tournament, for so many reasons. Yeah, and you feel bad for these guys because um, they've won a match. They've deservedly got there through qualifying. Um, I noticed the Lee Hang. I just picked him out of them because he. he he'd made two centuries and he beat Liam Highfield four 0 in a British Open qualifier. He made two centuries in his um, in his qualifier for this Euros match, so he's in top form. So he'll be especially disappointed, but as they all will be. But yeah, it's a shame. Um, and then I think we were talking about this before, and not actually seen whether it's resolved, but I assume it is that Hossein Vavice tweeted about how he was struggling to get a visa, but um, that tweet's now been deleted, and he's still in the draw. So um, that makes I assume that's been sorted out, which is good news for Hossein at least. No, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I know if you mentioned earlier that had been deleted, so that suggests that, that that has been sorted. Well, European Masters has had a very kind of um, funny history. It, it's it actually it's, the tournament's actually been operating under different guises, different names over the years. It actually started as the European Open back in 1989, but since this rebranding and you know, coming back as as the European Masters, it's been a real sort of nomadic affair. Uh, tournament being played in the Romanian capital Bucharest. I was having a look through the checklist earlier. Lommel in Belgium, uh, Dornburn in Austria, Milton Keynes, obviously for pandemic reasons, and now in Firth in Germany, where we said it before, Phil. You know that P word pandemic has been so big in all our lives. To go back anywhere overseas is something we absolutely relish. And you know that it was relatively late in the day, wasn't it, that, that we pulled out of Perth, of, of, of Perth sorry, um, not Perth. That's in Australia. Um, maybe one day, who knows? Um, it, it was late in the day we pulled out of Perth, wasn't it, earlier in this year? Um, so there'll be even more. You know, delighted to stage the event. It, it's um, a venue we know, the Stan Howe. It's not hosted this event before, but it hosted the Paul Hunter Classic for many years. So it's got that bit of snooker history behind it. And we're just so pleased, aren't we? To you know, to we're not going there ourselves, but for those that are, for those in Germany, it's great news. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've not um, not been there before, but I've heard very good things. Uh, that arena is going to be very good. Um, a lot of fans there, and yeah, I, I'd forgotten how quick, how close that was to going there. Actually, only a few months ago for it to, when I get moved to Milton Keynes again. Um, but yeah, a lot of the players will be um, very excited to to get get their suitcases out again. Um, it's been a, it's been a lot of trips to cities in the UK, um, uh, which will become quite uninspiring for after a while. Um, so yeah, definitely, 
I remember speaking to Yan Bing Tao over the summer and he was saying he, he openly admitted he'll be trying extra hard for this one and the German Masters and, stuff and uh, just anywhere where he'll get to travel because he's so excited to do it again. So, yeah, uh, everyone involved will be relishing it, that's for sure. Well, that hotel in Milton Keynes has seen a few suitcases come and go <laughs> in the last few years, Phil. Interesting roll call of winners as well since 16. Judd Trump, two in a row. Nothing remotely surprising about that. Jimmy Robertson, bit from left field. Neil Robertson, Mark Selby, again, two, two of the very top players in the game. But then Fang Zhenzi, and what a story that was, of course. Um, yeah, you mentioned he's not, not one of Matt Sid's, but I mean, that was, you know, just to reflect back on it again, quite something. I mean... I'm a dates person generally. So, I mean, I love the symmetry of the Jordan Brown and Fang Zhengzi, both happening at the sort of same time of year. Both, was it 1881? They were that close in the rankings. Mm. Similar odds, I think. Uh, you know, and... They both just reached their first ever ranking quarterfinal at the German Masters just previously as well. And they both beat Ronnie, didn't they, in the final? Yeah. They it's both crazy, beat isn't it? the greatest ever in the decider. So, it was just, yeah... I mean, you, you know, talk about great stories. That was just, you know, amazing. I don't, was it Dave Hendon saying recently, it might have been Dave, that he thought that was the, the most surprising out, out of the two? I mean, you know, I mean, Fans NG and, and Jordan Brown, I think it was Dave saying that. I mean, you know, they were both so, so, so remarkable. This, this sort of really just talk about a bolt from the blue and again, emphasized by his lack of form since. Well, yeah, came from nowhere and then disappeared back to nowhere so far. He's still very young, isn't he? He's twenty twenty one, so hopefully, uh, hopefully, he will regain that form again. But yeah, I mean, he's, no one was, you know, he, as I said, he, he just got to his first quarter final, so that was the, the faintest glimmer of something that could happen. But you know, no one was tipping him um, for to lift trophies anytime soon, and he had he beat some really good players on that on that way. Obviously, goes without saying that. Um, the hardest was in the final to win her decider, and that was sort of, I guess, because Jordan had done it just before that. Um, it took some shine of how mad that is off, but it is mental. Um, and I've just got his his run through here. He beat Aaron Hill, Kyron in the second round. I think, I think he said that's was that when we were talking to Kyron. Yeah, when he was saying yeah, yeah when he had an interview with fans saying that yeah. that's when he started getting some belief. Um, then Yan Ming Tao, Dave Gilbert, Graham Dot, Ronnie O'Sullivan. It's not easy, wow. is it? That's a fine run. Wow, that's brilliant. Yeah, that's a couple of world champions, a world finalist, a Masters winner. Yeah, that's that's um, a, pro- a proper run. Funny enough, I, I remembered fans saying that when Kyra reminded it wasn't like I really remember fan making that point. I think it was a really big win in that run. Yes, as Tyron was saying that sometimes he underestimates himself a bit and doesn't realise how much players sort of respect him um, and, you know, see him as a big scout. But, yeah, that was that was quite something. You know, it really was. And, uh, well, if we have anything like that kind of story to come in in, in the days to come, we'll be very pleased. Um, so, yeah, heading to Firth, a uh, city in northern Bavaria, uh, close to Nuremberg. So uh, we're just so pleased, as I say, to be heading overseas again. And, well, Phil, we're going to pick out selected matches, but I think I said to you on message a little while before we came on air, I'm actually going to write them all down for Tuesday morning because what a selection. I mean, I know it's a it's this day and age where you can sort of watch matches, you know, two or three on the go, frankly. We all double screen, don't we? Triple screen sometimes. But nevertheless, well, I think we all tend to focus on one. And 
you have to choose, you know, very, very hard to choose, I think. These are these are all really good matches. It's Anthony McGill against C. Dry He, Hossein Bafai against Xiao Gudong, Luca Bassell, Wu Yiza, Xiao Yulong, Graham Dot, and Fang Zhengzi, Michael Judge. And I and I was thinking I was saying to you that I'd I'd probably pick Luca Bassell, Wu Yiza, but I tell you what, it's not much in it. Uh, yeah, very good. Um yeah, I, th- I think I probably would as well, actually, just because uh, Luca's been in fine form and we use as one of the, the most exciting young players on the on the circuit at the minute. But yeah, no, that's uh, it's not a bad session to start with, isn't it? Again, um, Hussein against uh, Zhao Gudong, very good match early on. Um, yeah, this uh, the vast majority of these um, are second round matches, aren't they? But apart from Fan and Michael Judge, is a is a, is a first round match. Um, but yeah, I mean. Pressure on fan now, isn't it? I mean, this is a long time without winning, and he'd be favourite to be Michael Judge, but you don't get any easy matches here. Oh, certainly not. Um, on to Tuesday afternoon, and that's the Judge Trump knock on Sankan match we've been talking about. And uh, we mentioned that fine win for, for Nopon over Michael White, but also the lack of preparation time after that. Uh, Nopon actually had a really good win over, over Trump at the Welsh Open a, a few years back. So a potentially banana skin match for Judd. Obviously, you know, he, he'll start as as a big favourite. and uh... he'll, he'll be rusty as well because he's only played his Championship League, um, which he didn't get through his first group. Um, and then that's the, it's the same as the start last season. The top 16 guys, and especially in this situation, the top four or three, including Fan, um, you know, he's barely played. And he, 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 looked, he looked off it in the Championship League. He's not played since then. I'm sure he obviously has practised, but... Um, yeah, with Nopon having played a few matches and played well, um, d- definitely a, a chance for an upset there. No, you're right. You're right. You know, a lot of guys haven't really played that much since the World Championship. You know, mm. especially the ones, as you say, didn't get through to the, the sort of the next stage of the Championship League. But Mark Selby won the Sejourney's one I picked up um, from from Tuesday night. Uh, Mark Selby's won comfortably in the in the three matches they they played previously, but an interesting one there. And well, was- that's the same. You could say exactly the same stuff there about that. I mean, Yuan's been in pretty good for him early early on. He he got through at least one group of the Championship League, um, and again Selby has barely played. So pretty much exactly what I said about Nopon and Trump. You could say about Yuan and Selby. So another certainly a chance for an upset. Yeah, and I think that's gen- you know generally the good way of looking at it over over this tournament. Actually, it's that time of season. You know, won't be saying this in a month or two's time, and then more settled in, then you'll probably get a pattern of more of the top players winning. But you're right, there is that chance now because a lot of them are, you know, not quite. You'd think pin sharp, not match sharp, as we would say. A couple of big names in action on on Wednesday morning. Uh, Sean Murphy. Well, Sean, Sean is one that got through to the the, the next stage of the Championship League, isn't mm-hmm. he? So he's taking on Zhang and. Uh, Actually, Zhang Ando, I noticed, had a quick look earlier, beat Sean the last one they played in Riga. And another match of interest there is Yan Bingtao against against Dylan Emery. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see that. That's that's probably the highlights I picked from Wednesday. Feel free to... I know I'm, I'm doing that sort of... Uh, hopefully, hopefully selfish is a bit of a harsh word. I'm doing that kind of thing where I'm, I'm picking them first. But I think we're doing it for both of us type things. So feel, feel free to ch- chuck in a, a, a couple of your own if I'm missing anything. Anything no, good. absolutely. Yeah, that's, uh, I agree with all of these. Yeah. Um, yeah, Zhang And has sort of been picking up some impressive results. He's another one from Victoria's, isn't he? So um, whenever I ask those guys who's the next one to to break through, that he's he's been the tip. He's obviously a bit older than the, those other guys, but um yeah, he, he's he's definitely capable of getting some good results 
And yeah, you mentioned Dylan Emery. He he had uh, he had a good whitewash win the other day. That was in the British against uh, another one of the young talented players. I think that was against Pengi Song. But yeah, he's he's new on tour, but he, he looks like a bright talent. Um, so yeah, I mean that's a tough tough outing against Jan, um, but it'll be a great test for him. It really will be a very good test indeed. And another match of interest for Wednesday afternoon. Friend of the podcast, Corin Wilson, who's with us, of course, on here recently playing Lou Haoshan. And uh, I noticed they actually played in this tournament last year. I think it was a qualifying stage because it was at the end of last year. So I think it was one of those where they played qualifying and then went to, well, MK in the end a few months later. That was 5 2 for, for Kyron. But um, and then and then we're getting to one of those either or ones. So I think that's also Selby or one Sijun against Jackson Page. And I was thinking, if it's Selby, that's a really interesting test for Jackson Page, isn't it? And see where his game's at. Yeah, definitely. And we'll see where Marks is because we we don't know really. He looked the bit I caught of him in the Championship League. He looked all right actually. I think but then he, he obviously didn't get through, so he can't have been at his best, which you wouldn't expect. Um, but yeah, um, that's, that's a great match either way. If you hadn't beat Selby and then a tasty match to Jackson Page, then he, if Selby gets through as he'd be favourite to do so, um, we'll see how Jackson's doing. Yeah, because um, it was a funny old World Championship for him, wasn't it? An amazing win. Sort of, it got a bit underrated, I think, how good that win was against Barry Hawkins in the first round. Yeah. Um, probably got lost in that battering he took off his mate, Mark Williams. Yeah. Um, and Hopefully, he's coming away with the positives. He seems like the kind of guy that would. Um, but, I mean, a demoralising thrashing <laughs> against his uh, practice partner. But um, hopefully, he'll kick on and do well this season. And like you say, Selby is the ultimate test for that. Um, and there's a, there's a couple of other, actually, definitely one other. Um, your tip, Aaron Hill's got the chance to to do what Jackson did at the Crucible as he plays Barry Hawkins in that session. So, that's a good, uh, good test. Hawkins, another one that we've barely seen. So far, so Hill could catch him. You never know. Yeah, no, the, nice way of saying it all round there. I, I have to say, um, the, the vibe in a funny kind of way, the vibes are all wrong from that that Jackson Page match against Mark Williams, and that's not even hindsight. Even going into it, you thought, mm, "This is a bit." He sort of got half no chance here in a way, not because Mark was playing so brilliantly, but it's almost like he was playing his dad a bit. And that's the way yeah. Mark, Mark was sort of talking about it, wasn't it? Oh, he's you know, he, he comes around my house he, all the time. We, we play together. He's, a, you know, it's almost like a sort of surrogate thing and paternal thing. And I thought, yeah, he, a bit of a hind to nothing there, but smashing player. And as you said on here, you really feel he's got a new maturity about him in the last sort of uh, maybe year, a bit more than a year, maybe even 18 months. And and, and that will hopefully start showing him results. It happens, doesn't it, for a lot of guys of that age. Some Some never do, but some have that get that head screwed on thing just at the right time. Yeah, and it's confidence and everything, isn't it? I mean, he came through um, World Championship qualifying, looked very good. Um, but then, yeah, going to Haw- play Hawkins the first round, extremely difficult. But uh, he went out, all attacking, making huge breaks, looked great. Um, so if you can if you muster up anything like that, couldn't kind of form, he's going to be a threat um, to anyone, really. Um, he's he, We've always known he's got the talent. It's just piecing the other little bits together. And getting the best out of it, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully more from that because he's a uh, he's a very good player to watch, and he's still only how old is he now? Twenty one. He's still he's still remarkably young, seeing yeah. how long he's been playing. Um, so yeah, I'm sure he's the only way is up. Yeah, you get footballers like that, don't you? I mean, you get it in all sports, but I mean, 
Wayne Rooney was like 25. We felt like we'd been around for forever and a day. Because like when they start so early, but I can think of a few tennis players like that over the years as well. But yeah, Jackson, it was, it was at that Welsh, wasn't it? It became quite a big, a big line. Mind you, I'm, I'll tell you what, I know it's only fixtures and fittings, but I'm, I remember a couple of guys in the office saying, hey, that, was the, that was the most adult-looking schoolboy I've ever seen. <laughs> big old chap, wasn't he? <laughs> Yeah, and he was in my sort of category of having a beard when he was about 15, so it, just, it doesn't help him. Yeah. Indeed. And, uh, well, let's move on. Um, Wednesday night, actually, again, I've, I've made note of all of them here because I think this is another cracking session. It's Judd Trump or Nopon against Ashley Hugill, uh, Mark Williams against Sanderson Lam, uh, Dominic Dale up against some guy called Jimmy Wyatt. I don't know. <laughs> Jack Lasowski, Matthew Seamus, and that's a repeat of their Crucible match in the spring. Yeah. I was thinking how nice that we get to see that already. And it reminded me that Jack's was speaking really glowingly, wasn't wasn't he, about growing up enjoying watching Steve. And so that was a really good match for the Crucible, it was very close. So I mean this is much shorter, but good to see it again. Also got Mitchell Mann, Ricky Walden, and Anthony Hamilton, Jamie Jones. Friend friend of the podcast, Anthony Hamilton, and friend of Phil Haig, Anthony Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, it's a good. Uh, that's a really good session, actually, isn't it? There, there's plenty to look forward to. Jimmy, obviously, um, coming to this stage after that really good win he got over Andrew Paget uh, in qualifying. So that's a he'll fancy your chances against Dominic Dale, won't he? I mean, that's not, not an easy match. Dominic Dale, sort of, it's a weird one. He's in that category of players at the minute where you hardly ever see him win. But he's never dropped off tour, and he always proves to be a very difficult contest for a lot of players. So uh, not to be underestimated at all. But yeah, no, good, uh, good set there. As Hamilton's been playing well, been picked up as good wins. So I'd imagine Jamie Jones would be favourite there, but it'd be a very close one to call, I should think. Uh, Mitchell Mann got a good win the other day against Tom Ford in the British Open qualifying. So he'll uh, he'll fancy a chance against Ricky Walden, but so will Ricky. Um, so, yeah, good session there. Mark Williams in action as well. And uh, he's sort of, I was looking at the draw and which sort of quarter I thought looked a bit more appealing than others. And uh, I fancied Mark Williams to have a good run here. Um, so he plays Sanderson first and then he's got the winner of Dominic and Jimmy. So he'd obviously be like heavy favourite in both those matches, whoever that is. Um, and then he's deep into it then and he's won couple of German masters, so he just like it over there. So um, I often find myself tipping Mark Williams for things, but uh, I would expect him to do well this week coming as well. Yeah, I would say Sonus and Lam followed by uh, Dale or White is, a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is as nice as it gets, really, for one of the top players, you know, early on. So, yeah, we'll keep, we'll keep an eye out on that, definitely. And just overall, we said it at the start, you know, the varieties of spice of life on the snooker tour, the group format's great, the different tournaments we enjoy, but to get the first proper ranking event, you really feel like this is sort of, you know, as you suggested, we don't, we haven't seen a lot of the players that much, but we'll, we'll see them here again, short format, but nevertheless, proper, you know, top quality sort of match play uh, tournament. And we, we really sort of feel like that we're moving into the sort of season a bit again. Yeah. And it's, um, it is, it is a, you know, I hate the word in a way, but pro- proper, proper tournament. It's best of nines, which you know some people still say short, but best of nines feels quite long compared to some tournaments uh, nowadays. And it goes up to 11 in the, the semi 
investor seven in the final. Um, so yeah, that you, you can't complain about the length of those matches. It's not too bad. Yeah, no, true. And uh, well, we'll look forward to it. And um, yeah, savor it. This is these. You know, we 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 always enjoy these tournaments, and there'll be of course regular news. You'll of course be on your Twitter feed updating. Uh, no doubt, to, uh, readers throughout the week, news on snooker snooker.org, and of course from World Snooker Tour as well. And we'll be along, won't we? We're, we're planning to do one of our Sunday specials. We'll see if time allows. We haven't. We thought that we haven't done those for quite a while. We didn't do it for the Crucible. I can't remember whether we did it for the tour or not. But even if we did, that's sort of four or five months now. So it feels like a, a nice chance to get back into it. We love those that with the energy of the, watching the final. So we'll hopefully do that next week. And overall, just looking forward to what should be a smashing tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it, it, I mean, obviously, it's thrown up that mad outside chance winner last year. So, and we can expect this something, well, we can't expect something similar, but we, I would expect some upsets. Um, someone you might not expect to be going deep somewhere. There are quite a few big names. If people are wondering why um, some big names haven't been mentioned, obviously a few lost in qualifying happened a few weeks ago, like Sir Higgins, Maguire going out, uh, Ronnie's pulled out for injury, and Neil Robertson didn't enter. I think he just said he's just tailoring his season like he has done the last couple of years, so he just didn't find Phil, you've, you've frozen. What an unfortunate moment. Well, I hope you're still listening to me. Um, and this is Talking Snooker, and you're with Nick Metcalf. And, well, unfortunately, Phil has... I can see a a frozen Phil Haig at the moment, which is um, not what we want. We want to see an animated Phil Haig. And, uh, you know... He was waxing lyrical as he does so well about about the game, but uh, well, I, I can uh, I can carry on for the time being. Hopefully, Phil will rejoin us. I might send him a little message in a while saying saying what well, well, I'm sure the obvious that he already knows that he's now not not with me on this on this latest episode, but he'll no doubt come back uh, shortly. But um, we are uh, as we've been saying, looking forward to the European Masters and. We're now going to move on, actually. I say we're, it's just me at the moment, uh, with a couple of bits of correspondence. And, well, I'm first going to turn to Suzanne Sebler here on email, who contacts us and says, Hello, Nick. Hello, Phil. I am currently waiting eagerly for the European Masters to start in Firth. This town is close to my hometown. So I bought tickets for the semi-finals as a Christmas present for my mother, who loves snooker. We are both Ronnie fans, and as we heard he would play it, we also got ourselves tickets for the first day to see his first match. I was in Milton Keynes also in February for the first three days of the European Masters. I have been to Liverpool the weekend before at an exhibition with Ronnie. I remember that. That was that, was that very nice... I've forgotten the name of the building now, but it's absolutely smashing. People suggesting that could be a venue for an actual proper tournament um, one day. Uh, I think I might be getting Phil Haig back. Yes, oh, I'm back. My partner in crime. Good day. Sorry about that. Don't know what happened then. Internet connection disappeared. You froze, and, and but never mind. What I've done is I I I've waffled a little bit, and then I've started with the Suzanne Sebler 
Excellent. So she's talking about the fact that she went to Liverpool the weekend before for an exhibition with Ronnie and then saw the tournament in MK at the start of this year, early this year. I made the decision to stay a couple of days longer and travel to Milton Keynes. The experience was everything that the experience was that everything was more intense compared to watching on TV. The highs were higher and the lows lower. What a great way of expressing seeing live sport, actually. That says a lot. Yeah. I know exactly what she means. I had somehow expected that. At a certain point during a very close match, I said to myself, I certainly could do with less drama and then my next tournament would be an exhibition again. Um, I think we can all relate to that as well in many ways. I'm curious to see how it will be in Firth because this time I will share it with someone. I will let you know afterwards. Keep up your great work and best regards. Well, we are sorry about not not seeing not seeing Ronnie uh, for you and your mother there, Suzanne, because obviously, you know, he's a major attraction, just a great superstar of this sport. But um, there are some great matches. We, you know, you'll see some top, top players. You'll see some top action despite that. And we must always settle this point that Ronnie's the biggest star in the sport but the sport is still bigger. So that's important to say as well. But lovely email, Phil. And you know, we always like hearing from our, our overseas um, listeners, of course. But also we like hearing about events that we're not going to, frankly, because we do write afterwards, Suzanne, because it gives us an insight that, you know, we don't particularly have, and then we can share it with everyone type thing. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, we'd love to hear from anyone who goes to the European Masters next week. Um just let us know what it's like because we've not been ourselves, have we? So uh, anything that's especially good about that tournament or what works about that tournament, uh, things that maybe you see at German tournaments that uh, or that you'd like to see over here that we don't maybe do in the UK. So, yeah, all sorts of news. Um, but, yeah, uh, yeah, I know what you mean about the highs, highs and uh, low, lows. I, I don't get that so much with individual tournaments, but uh, individual sports, but I suppose that's why I probably... St- don't go and watch football so much anymore because it's just easier to not uh, not uh, ruin your weekend <laughs> more often than I was making my weekend better. That's from watching Barnsley, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, and it's a yeah, it's a really nice email. So thank you very much for that. And as I say, you know, if you're going to tournaments, well, any any of them, frankly, but particularly the ones that we're not able to get to, we'd really like to hear from you. Uh, I'm talking about the. Temperdrome now, you often hear how the catering there is particularly good and, and, and merchandise much better than events here. So I'm interested to know what that's like in Firth because, as we said, it does leave a little bit to be desired here at times, both catering and merchandise, frankly. So that that kind of thing, we, we, you know, the action on the table, we, we all see, if, if you like. So the extras are particularly interesting to us, so please do let us know. And, uh, well, you've got a... You've got an email here with with one of the best titles we've had for ages for an email. <laughs> yeah, we love this one. This is from Steve Hooley in Ilkeston. Email titled "1981 Yamaha Organs Trophy Final." <laughs> we, we were hooked from the off, that's for sure. Uh, hello, chaps. This is my first correspondence. I am really enjoying the pod. Keep up the good work. I'm writing to tell you one of my most embarrassing moments ever. I attended the first session of the Yamaha Organs Trophy Final on Sunday the 8th of March 1981 between Steve Davis and David Silver Fox Taylor at the Derby Assembly Rooms. I'm a big Steve Davis fan and it was exciting to attend a local venue to see my sporting hero live in action. We were sitting on the front row opposite the black ball end of the table. There were several announcements made before the match started, including no photography during sessions of play. Steve won the first frame and David Taylor left the arena for a comfort break. 
As Steve sat in his chair whilst the referee, Langanley, set the table up for the next frame, I thought, well, they aren't actually playing now, so I can get a great photo of Steve in his chair. Out came my Kodak camera. This was well before mobile phone cameras. I lined up the photo and flash. There was a collective gasp from the audience and I received a glare from Len Ganley. Steve sat in his chair, blinking to clear his eyes, but stood up and also left the arena. I wanted the ground to open up and swallow me. I was convinced that I was destined to be the man who broke Steve Davis. Uh, Len Ganley finished setting up the table, then made his way over to where we were sitting. I'm going to be asked to leave, I thought. He very calmly and politely asked me not to take any further photos. With a very red face, I profusely apologised and asked him to pass on my apologies to Steve. David Taylor had already returned, but Steve was still yet to appear. A few minutes later, he re-entered and the match continued. Steve lost the next frame. I felt awful. However, by the mid-session interval, Steve was leading 3-1. The best thing of the whole sorry incident was that during the interval, Len Ganley came up, came and found me in the foyer and told me not to let the experience ruin the day and shook my hand. I think that was a really classy thing to do considering what he had to do that day. It goes without saying I never attempted to take another photo again, having visited several events since. Yours, embarrassingly, Steve. It's a great story. Great email from Steve. Thank you so much for that. It's lovely. It's lovely. I haven't told you, you this actually, but I took the liberty of passing it on to... Uh, our friends at the World Snooker Tour media team, in the hope they might show Mike Ganley, of course, you know, the, the son of Len, who would have uh, hopefully would enjoy seeing that story. That's a lovely little touch, I think. Uh, Mike Ganley, of course, tournament director. And, you know, it's a very nice, a real sort of snooker family touch there, isn't it? Coming to find you in the foyer, don't worry, don't let, don't, don't let, it, don't let it ruin your day. Just shows, you know, you know, we always, always talk about those those days, and you know, no one really had cameras, and we, we, there was there were far far fewer photos taken. My goodness, but you know, it did happen, and you, you had to be careful. But yeah, really nice story. Yeah, if you're wondering what sort of emails to send us or what sort of titles, now the 1981 Yamaha <laughs> Trophy final. Now that's the sort of thing we're looking for, Phil, isn't it? <laughs> absolutely yeah any sort of memories like that are superb yeah and that, that's the touch that really got me I, I can absolutely feel for Steve with his embarrassment but um, that really was the nice part of that that story what Len did from there because uh, you could see that if, if that was someone just leaving at the interval or something because they felt so embarrassed so to go out of the way and uh, make sure that Steve was feeling not too bad about it then uh, yeah really good stuff well to our great regret in the in the press room the Press seats have been taken away at the Crucible. We hope not forever, maybe forever, certainly for the tournament just gone this year. But where they normally always were was so close to the action. Do you know, I always lived in this terrible sort of fear that I'd just forget once. And it would be, it would be, it would be, it's a shame for anybody, isn't it? But the shame of being in that arena, being a journalist so close and just having, having the phone on it. I mean, the, the tut-tutting would go on for virtually, well, the rest of the tournament, Phil. <laughs> yeah, that would, uh, yeah, that's a horrible feeling. I sort of live in fear of that um, if I'm ever in the crowd ever. So I don't, it's never caught me out. But yeah, it would, uh, yeah, I think that would be especially bad as well because I think a few people would recognise, yeah, who it was. And uh, you'd probably get outed quite badly on social media or something. So yeah, that is one to avoid. Oh, yeah, you'd, you'd have thought they'd know, they'd know better out of anyone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, let's just hope I'm touching wood that never actually happens. 
And let's hope they bring the press seats back as well. Mm. That's, not, that's, not, that's, not, that's another matter. But thank you for those um, bits of correspondence. Keep them coming, of course, talkingsnooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at talkingsnooker. Phil, it's time for a big announcement from us. We've been teasing this a little bit on social media over the last uh, day, and we are delighted to say that we have a genuine snooker superstar joining us on the podcast to kick off our autumn season of episodes in September. It's a former world champion, former UK champion, former Masters champion, a serial winner of big tournaments, and one of the most prolific players of his generation. You may not have guessed who it is yet, but when I tell you this man is the most successful overseas player ever in this sport, you most likely will now know the identity of this very special guest. We are delighted to say that Neil Robertson will join us on the podcast. And Phil, we are just looking forward so much, aren't we, to welcoming Neil here on the pod. Yeah, great. Yeah, that's super work from you. Sorting Neil out to go on. Uh, and yeah, looking forward to it is an understatement for sure. Um, he's always got really interesting stuff to say, really honest stuff. Um, and he was on the Talking Bulls podcast a while ago and they did a long old chat with him. So we're going to have to try and do something similar. Um, yeah, so that, that'd be great. Um, so get your questions in. I'm sure there'll be no shortage of them. Indeed, I think he makes it happen. I think when he was on Dave on Snooker Scene as well, he did. This is going back a lot of years now. He did a he did a very long episode with with David Memory Serves. Yeah, that's the thing about Neil. He's obviously a genuine superstar. As we say one of the top players of his generation. Brilliant, brilliant. You know, wonderful player. But he's also really compelling to actually listen mm. to. You know, you never speak to Neil, even if it's a you know short chat or I've had plenty of long chats with him over the years. You think, God, you know, he's 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 a very interesting guy, Neil. He really is, and he's you know a proper thinker about the game. And a bit of a photographic mind, I think, as well. Great, me- I mean, a lot, a lot of players, you know, whoever we get on here, we're always amazed. They can think about individual balls they missed, like, mm-hmm. yeah. but Neil's with that with knobs on, you know, he really remembers, you know, all his opponents, all his matches. So, yeah, we just have so much to ask him on here. And as you say, you know, we, we will get a lot of questions. And I think what we might ask for is if it's possible to keep it to one question each. Um, I know mm-hmm. we get two or three in, but only because I think we will get so many in. So uh, we know he's going to be such such a popular guest. So do you know try and keep it to one question if you can for Neil Robertson. Mark it clearly for Neil and message us talkingsnooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at talkingsnooker. Talkingsnooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at talkingsnooker. Got the old paper diary out here, Phil. And it's September the 5th. That's the the date we lined up for Neil uh, at the moment. So that's uh, three weeks away. So real, a real cracker to look forward to. And uh, we quite like to space out the really big ones, don't we? We had Kyron not, not so long ago, what a star he is. And uh, Rebecca Kenner, of course, and David Grace in this summer and lots of, um, you know, terrific names. But I think Neil is, is, is top, top level, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, like you say, superstar. Um, yeah, one of the... The, the, certainly the elites, you know, other players quite often refer to the top boys. Is <laughs> You hear that phrase a lot. And uh, there's no doubt that uh, Neil is one of the top boys, that's for sure. Um, so, yeah, until, uh, you know, he's had a long old summer break. As we say, he's not playing in this. That'll, that'll be 
ahead of uh, playing in the World Mixed Doubles. I think that'll be the first time he plays all season, actually. So, um, long old uh, long old gap between stuff. We'll find out what he's been doing as well over the summer. Not heard very much from him at all. So, yeah, it'll be very interesting. It really will. So, we're looking forward to that. Neil Robertson coming on this podcast at the start of September. So, I think any other business, Phil, we come to that stage of the podcast. Um, we've we, you know, we, we, we nattered away for nearly, ni, ni, not quite even an hour. I mean, this is, yeah, I'll tell you what, it's, it's a little bit different this season. I know we've had a couple of marathons, we'll always, we'll always have those in our locker, but we've, 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 we've sort of kept to our low-level ambition of slightly shaving the time off, I think. Yeah, I think on the normal ones, because, yeah, there's certain ones where we will naturally go a bit wild with it, but, yeah, I think it's probably better to keep it a bit more in check than we were doing before, but... Um, yeah, I don't know where I got to before I was unceremoniously frozen out by my internet connection. But I was uh, I was looking at players who were the same odds as Brown and Fan were for their outside wins. Did I get to that point? I don't think you did actually. I, I, okay, so I looked at so I think both of them were seven hundred and fifty to one when Jordan won in Wales and Fan Yi won in Milton Keynes. So there's just a sort of illustrate the point of how unlikely they are. These are the four players that are 750 to one to win in fourth next week. Ashley Hugill, Daniel Wells, Hayden Pinay, and Stephen Holworth. Wow. So if anyone wants to quit on them, you're a braver man than me, <laughs> even for a pound. But it's, there is precedent for it. Each one of those would be a major, major shot, wouldn't it? That really is a good way of putting it in perspective. To, yeah. To, were you talking for a while before you realised? I've I've, sorry, that's a bit, a bit mean for me, but I've got kind of comedy visions of you talking for absolutely ages before realising. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it was ages, but uh, uh, it could have been a while. Yeah. <laughs> well, you came back eventually, and that's the main thing. So I think we're going to wrap up then. Keep your thoughts coming to us, talking snooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at talking snooker. We'll be back after the final, Phil. Enjoy the tournament, sir. I know you will. We'll be messaging each other, no doubt, throughout the week with loads of uh, little tidbits and interesting stories. And uh, I know there'll be loads of coverage from you. And we're just looking forward to it now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be really good. Um, yeah, and hopefully everyone else enjoy it as well. I know it's been a slow burner. We've sort of snooker social media has sort of been bubbling away a little bit, but not really kicked into gear. And hopefully this one will this week. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you'll be watching plenty of it. So enjoy it. Yeah, indeed. And uh, see you next time, Phil, when we'll look back at the European Masters. Smashing tournament to come. Enjoy it all, everybody. Uh, but for now, from Phil and myself, cheerio. Sports Social Podcast Network. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.